Welcome back to Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. I'm Drew, and I am here for the, I think, third time with Zach from Draft Champions Podcast and Zach Roto on Twitter. Zach, welcome back to the podcast. What's up, Drew? Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, I think you are my second three-time guest. This is your third time, right? Um, yes, it is. It is. And, uh, and Toby was my guest last week, and, and he, he was that was his third visit. So uh, you're in rarefied air. So oh, uh, if, I, if, I, if I can be in Toby's company for anything <laughs> with respect to fantasy baseball, I'm happy. I know. I feel the same way. So, so but great. But I, I've enjoyed your podcast, and I feel like you and I uh, share a lot of things Thank in you. common. One, one thing is, um, you know, we're both very into the Draft Champions League. Obviously, you are, since that's how you've branded yourself. But uh, yeah. I think we, we share that, and we both really like drafting, uh, maybe to our detriment, you know, because we end up in 20-plus leagues. I think you had 30 or 40, probably. So About 25 in FPC leagues last year. And uh, yeah, yeah you, I, could, I guess you could say it was to my detriment. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, I also was joking with Toby about the fact that I really just need to change the name of my podcast to the to the off season podcast or something like that. Or, you know, draft yeah, I, 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 I listen. I listen to that podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but I really do enjoy it. And I think you do, too. You know, it's just fun to evaluate players in the off season, And it gives us some baseball even after baseball's over which I guess will be a week from now when the, when, after the World Series. But um, anyway, uh, so let's do that. Let's start looking at uh, some early ADP. And so basically all we have right now is the, um, the two early mocks that Justin Mason has been running. And so I've asked you to pick out, and I've picked out some players that I think are going early and going, going too early and going too late. And then also you've done a couple drafts. Um, tell us about that a little bit. They're, they're um, draft champions leagues. Yeah. So I sort of used my platform to um, reach out to uh, people to see if they were interested in doing uh, an early draft champions league because I have a problem. And I know they do, they do um, some of the guys that play the NFPC, they have this uh, league every year called the premature e-draftulation league. And it's an email draft that uh, a bunch of these guys do. And it's not, a, I think it's a fab league though, not a, not a draft champions. And just because everyone just, we just want to draft. It's not, the season's not even over. The playoffs are over, but they still want to draft. So we've obviously got a sickness. And um, <laughs> we, um, we, we started a league and then Derek at the NFBC said, like he'll import the teams once the NFBC gets up and running in November. Awesome. So we did one league and then it wasn't enough for us. So we did a second league. So we sort of have like a miniature ADP and, um, but a lot of, but the thing with these leagues is a lot of, there was a lot of really, um, a lot of sharks in these leagues. A lot of like the, the people that wanted to get into $150 buying leagues on when the ALDS is still going on. Um, probably. <laughs> yeah. You players. recruited, uh, you recruited NFBC players. Am I right? Yeah, but it, it didn't have to be any, I didn't, it wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to say no to anyone. There's people in there that don't, yeah, no, the no. there's a couple guys that, that are new to the NFBC. There's a couple industry guys that get our first one. We have um, like just to name a few guys, we had James Anderson of Roadwire, and then we had um, Justin Mason, of course, and then uh, John, uh, Johnny L from MLB Moving Averages. So we had some hot shots in the league. Yeah, too, you, you got a lot. Like they, I think they, they do play high stakes, but they're not, but they're more well known for what they do in the industry than what they do um, um, playing high stakes. Maybe John's a little bit more both, but yeah, it was, it was tough leagues. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah, I didn't mean to uh, say you were being exclusionary at all, but but uh, just, but yeah, definitely some heavy hitters and some some, you know, since you're gonna play it out, it's it's kind of um, interesting in its own way. I, you know, I know you've uh, gently knocked uh, <laughs> mock drafting, so it's just good to have another perspective. I think some things do get lost in the mocks but um. yeah I, I, it's it's half a joke but it's half serious um i used to love mock drafting but now that um i just have now that there's the opportunity to real draft i'd much rather do that because um yeah like um yeah i see i see on twitter uh, people show their mock draft boards and and they're they're saying oh um what do you think what, what pick do you think was the best value and i'm thinking in my head there's no value because a this is a mock draft. You're stuffing money, and b you're not playing this out, so there's there's zero value in this. It's just nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've definitely noticed some eccentricities. I think one of the common things people rightly say is that there's a lot of sort of um, you know planting your flag drafts where you know somebody will take a player early just so they can talk about them. But also one thing I was telling you earlier that that I have seen is no one's taking closers just like relief pitchers are com almost completely ignored i think you know the first ones hendricks and hater went you know in the fifth sixth seventh round maybe and then yeah, no one else until like the eighth or not i mean like they're going several rounds later like I, I think most of the the closers that go in the fifth round in nfbc drafts are going in the ninth and tenth i think you're absolutely right i think that's a, it's um it's a, that's probably the most important point you can make about these mock drafts, in my opinion, is that because that does that does um, shift the ADP. And and let's face it, closers aren't sexy. So people and you you nailed. I think you nailed all the points. People are just getting their guys, um, seeing comments saying that I wouldn't have taken this guy if this was for money. I'm like, okay, well, duh. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I think that 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 would change the ADP quite a bit. You're going to see some of the guys. I think some of the guys that you mentioned in particular might've been going a bit early in the mock drafts, um, some of the position players, whereas they would go later, um, partially because of that closer um, uh, point you've made, but partially because of other reasons, perhaps. Well, let's get into it and we can sort of reference both, both uh, drafts, you know, yours and then the two early mocks and, and we'll see where we are. But what do you want to talk about first? Players that are going, we think are going too early or players we think are going too late? Sorry, I didn't. I didn't catch that. Do you have a preference? Oh, I just. I, I, I thought. I, I didn't know if you were asking me the question. I just said okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, no, I don't have a preference. I'm, I'm prepared. I have my three for each that you've asked me to prepare, and uh, I'm ready to go. Sweet. All right. Well, let's let's hear your first uh, player that you think is going too early, in your case against him, I guess. Okay. I, I said I was prepared, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to. I, I, I've highlighted them. Okay, it's so the players that I believe that are going too early. Let's let's start with let's start off with a doozy. Um, <laughs> Mike Clevenger. Um, oh, oh, a favorite of and, many. Uh, he's going in. It looks like a round pick sixty. In the, sixty, in the yeah, sixty-one in the in the in the two early drafts. And and you know what? I'll just I have to say I've gently ripped on the mock drafts um, in good fun, but. I'll be the first to admit that I go, I log on I, to Smata's spreadsheet to look at it. Um, may, and I'll be honest, I, I use it just when I'm doing my real job, just, just to make sure that I'm not forgetting anyone. You know what I mean? I'll go through the list sure, and say, sure. oh, this guy, like I've heard, like, because there's no ADP data. So it's, it's really a great reference when you're doing a real job, just to, 
just to see, like, make sure that you're not forgetting anyone. I'm not really, I'm not really paying attention to where they're going in the mock draft because I don't find that super relevant, but um, just in terms of, it's just, a, it's a good reference. To, um, it's a good player list, right? Because you got sure. guys yeah. that like, um, you got guys in here like um, that wouldn't, that didn't play full seasons, et cetera. So Clevenger, he's hurt. Um, and he's going in this draft, he's like in these mock drafts, I can see the guys that are going ADP that have an ADP after him um, just to have some of the pitchers. Carrasco, Zach, please Zach, we'll get to later. Um, Zach Wheeler, Bundy, Berrios, like Paddock, you can go down the list. I'd, I'd rather have like anyone. I think, I think like, the, the injury risk and um, uh, Dave McDonald um, would, would um, I think he, he always talks about injury risk and he always is very, um, very outspoken on the avoids that he has every year. And this guy is this like, I'll, like in that same vein, this guy's a huge avoid for me. Um, mm. I don't see how you can spend a top four or five pick on Mike Clevenger. Like, I don't think this would ever, I think just because he's a name, he's going, he's, he's going this high in, in these mock drafts, but like in, when, when money's on the line, there's no way you're taking Clevenger at this stage of the game at pick 60, 61. Not like I think any smart drafter that plays high stakes wouldn't like, and has experience would never do that. Well, I'm going to have to say, I agree with you. I, I mean, I think, you know, people were taking Clevenger before 2020 and, you know, as early as the second round, um, you know, I think people got a little overhyped on him after 2019 and, you know, it's easy to say in retrospect. I mean, I, I took him in one league, so I can't really, you know, condemn anyone. But, you know, it, it may have been a career year. His strikeout rate in 2019 was a lot higher than ever. His walks were down lower than ever. And, you know, you can't really fake control, but you can get a little bit lucky. And then, you know, home runs were the lowest. Ever. I mean, it was almost everything was, was about the best it could be. Um, and, and yet it was, a, it was a half season for him. He was injured for, for a lot of it. And so he, you know, I, you'd have to look at his matchups. And I just feel like 2019 might have been a little over his skis. And then so if you, if you come back down to a, a strikeout rate that is not elite, uh, a walk rate that is not elite, you know, maybe you can still get him to a, a somewhat elite ERA but just, you know, the, the whip and the other peripherals are just not going to add up. So I just think, yeah, I mean, like it's questionable. So the next pitcher that's going after Clevenger in the mocks is Corbin Burns. And to me, it's questionable which one of those guys I would want if they were both healthy. So your point about Clevenger's health is crucial here. And uh, let's, let's go down a little bit. I'm just going to use the mocks, but I mean, he's going maybe 10 picks later in your drafts, which I think says something, but I mean, would you take the next several guys are going Carrasco over him? Yep. And I hate Carrasco. Sixto Sanchez over him. Yeah, I would. Wow. I know you'd take Plesek over him. We'll get to that. Kyle Hendricks over Mike Clevenger. Yeah. Wow. What about Strasburg? Cause there's injury concern with him too. Mm, yes, I would still. Wow. Um, so you really, I, so you really are thinking that Clevenger is going to miss, or you know, is, is certainly likely to miss significant time. Yes, and if taking in my avoidance of him is, I'd say ninety five percent based on injury. I think if yeah. he wasn't, if you if you had if you played a full season, even if you regressed a little bit this year and kept the ratios that he had this year, but for the full season. 
he'd still be like a late second, early third round pick for me. But um, I th- like he's been dealing with multiple injuries. Um, you can keep going down that list. And I don't even know when I would take him, uh, when I would say I would be comfortable with the risk of taking my Clevenger. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's a perfect way to frame it. I mean, I, I would kind of put him, I might even lump him and Kluber into the same category because, you know, when you come, like, like Clevenger did in the playoffs in his last game or like Kluber did, I think, the first game of the season, and you play one inning and you get pulled, that's not a good sign. And, um, you know, I want – no. I want to see what happens in spring training before I draft those guys. So, so for degenerates like you and me that are going to be drafting in October, November, December, we're probably best to stay away from Clevenger anywhere near this ADP. So, I'll, I, I think I'll tell, you, I'll tell you where I get to a point where I'm comfortable taking him. And if you go down this list, you have to go to 153, 154, and find wow. Char- and Charlie Morton. And yeah. I would, that's, that's when I'd be comfortable. And I'd, I'd probably even be taking guys that are going after both of them before them. But um, I, I would take Clevenger over Charlie Morton because I don't, that's, he wasn't one of my three, but I just want to briefly mention him. He um, told us that he might retire after the 2020 season. So I don't know yeah. how you could be drafting him. He was going maybe around the same time in our, in our money drafts too. I yeah. can't do it. Well, like that, and I love cra- the call crazy. out. I love the call out because you know, I really am kind of trying to tailor this analysis for myself and for the podcast, at least for now, toward us degenerates who are who are going to be drafting, you know, between now and, and, and January and February, you know, like, you, yes, everything will change in, in March, for sure. You know, people will get pushed up, people will look healthy, people will be, you know, um, back to their old selves and and yeah i'll push them up too but for now i think it makes a lot of sense to be off players and and, you know sometimes you'll even have to miss out unless they're going late enough for you to just take a a a blind stab but yeah i'm I'm probably not drafting morton in the top 300 to be honest with you just because you know there's a chance you get a big zero because he's retired yeah and then the same goes for things like you know I know Justin Turner and CJ Crone have both dropped a ton in these drafts. I mean, Turner's going, let's see, around pick 185. 187? What was he going last year, though? Uh, I guess he wasn't going much before that. But, uh, you know, Turner's going to be a free agent. And I think there's – I mean, he's 30. He'll be 36. I, I, you know, he's really good. So, I assume he gets a full-time job. But, you know, what if he goes to the Rays? What if he becomes, you know – uh, what if he decides to retire? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, and then CJ Crone is also going to be a free agent. Uh, I think he's a bargain, but he's he's going you know outside the top three hundred. Or why, why do you or, think he's going to be? Why do you think he's going to be a bargain? Like CJ well, Crone? Yeah. I, I just mean if he gets a job. I think yeah. he's. I think he's a guy who is really in the um, the conversation for 30 plus home runs and a, and a solid batting average, you know, so a four category type contributor. If he, really? you know, if he has a full-time job. I don't know about his batting average, but he was, he was the, he, he was the guy I was considering considering in these early drafts because there was no ADB. He was like a, obviously a guy that was buried because the um, were drafting their fan tracks and they base it on last year's points, sort of a, a points ranking system. And, mm-hmm. um, 
he, along with guys like Kluber, um, just get buried in the ADP that didn't, that didn't have good years, were injured, or um, just didn't play because of suspension or whatever. So they really um, – well, this draft was full of sharks, so it was kind of harder. But if you're in a regular draft, you might, you might be able to get these guys later than you really should be able to. C.J. Crum was one of those guys. He was on my mind. But what I was thinking about him is, like last year, he, he, his ADP got pushed up to, like, um, before pick 200 at points near the beginning of draft season last year because he got, some, he got considerable hype based on what, like, some of the same reasons that you were talking about. Um, however, he, he signed a one-year contract with Detroit for $6 bucks. That's over. He's a free agent again. Don't know where he's going. Like, Detroit was great because, like, he played in – like there, he was assured the playing time. So you, you pretty much said, okay, this guy's going to hit 30, 35 home runs and you can get him like well past 200. And then everyone started realizing and taking it. But now I don't think he's going to get re-signed by Detroit or let me rephrase that. I'm, I'm not confident at all. He's going to be re-signed by Detroit because Detroit has Candelario who had some success at first. They still got Miggy that they got to shove at the DH spot. Um, they got Paredes who's coming up. They got some, they got some young talent coming up, and they also have Torkelson that's a corner infielder. Um, so I don't know if it makes a lot of sense for them to re-sign him. Um, definitely doesn't make sense to re-sign him to a multi-year deal. So I'm not, I don't like I don't know where he would go. Um, so that's that's the I guess the uncertainty of where he's going to land. And you've seen the market for these power hitting first basemen really dry up in the last couple of years. Like um, like guys like Edwin Encarnacion, you're just really afraid you're going to turn into that, and the contracts are going to turn into garbage, right? So yeah. that's my, that's my one trepidation with CJ Crone. I think he's a good value right now, but like, again, you're still ri- like, like in these draft champions leagues, you're still risking like a, you're still like, I'm still not taking him as a star, as a starter because he might not have a position. I'd rather take like, I'd much rather take a prospect that I think is going to be up like in late April, like, um, like any, any of the top prospects, I'd rather have like a, like a Dylan Carlson or something like that, right? Or oh, for sure, could, for sure. Well, that's, yeah, that's, no. a, bad, that's a bad example, but... Um, no, he was a guy that when he got the contract with Detroit, I thought, okay, he's going to play every day with them. He's going to hit 30-plus bombs, and he's going to bat over 250. I'll give you the fact that it's not going to be a great average, but it's going to be – it's not going to kill you. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, he's probably worth pick 200 or wherever he said he was going, but... Uh, that you everything you said is correct there was exactly my point that now with the uncertainty of will he even have a job and then if he gets one will it be a full-time job I'm you know I'm not out but I'm just kind of like probably thinking after pick 300 is probably about right uh, that's why he's getting pushed down to there so yeah I agree. it could I, be a bargain if he gets a job but for now you know we got to draft with what we know in October <laughs> if we're drafting in both of my drafts are for money, um, I was I was looking at him starting at pick 300, and then he was in my queue, and then I just ended up finding players that I thought were of more value to me, but I didn't want to take him, but I just I just ended up uh, wanting other players more around that time. That's a great point too. I mean, you you know you can always like sometimes the inferior player that you're confident is going to play is worth more, especially when you're drafting this early with this many unknowns. But um, all right, well, we can't spend that long on everybody, but I'm going to get to my first going too early player. And it, it actually kind of transitions, believe it or not, because my uh, first player that I think is going too early is Pete Alonzo. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to be too down on Pete Alonzo just because 
you know, he didn't have a very good 2020 short year and all. But uh, I, to be honest, I was I had, I had not drafted Pete Alonso at all uh, going into this year, even coming off his incredible, you know, 50 plus home run uh, campaign in 2019. And that's just because I, I, you know, I believe that what he can give you can be found later. And, you know, CJ Cron may not be the guy to give it to you this year, but there are players like Jared Walsh, you know, where you could take a stab there. And, and uh-huh. granted, your, your, your chance of success is not what it is with Pete Alonso, but you could even end up getting more. And then same thing with, with players. I, you know, I, I'll take a, I'll take a stab on the Josh Bell rebound after pick 150, or um, they're just other first basemen that can give you very elite power, if not what Alonzo can give you, um, you know, maybe 30 plus home runs where he, he can probably give you 40 if he gets going, but I mean, he's 40 not or 50. Giving, but it's not giving you any stolen bases. He's not giving you a very good batting average. So to me, he's a, he's a three category guy and those are not that hard to find. So I agree with I agree I agree with you. I think he is going a bit early in those in those mock drafts. Um, I'll give you it, an example too. Uh, you know, with the mock drafts, he's going around fifty three, and Matt Olson's going around seventy two. So I mean, I'll take the discount and just grab Matt Olson. That's one example. Um, what were you going to say? Where he's going in yours? Yeah, we've only like I said, we've only done two, so it's a small sample size. So you, like those mock drafts are better in terms of being a bit bigger sample size, but he went 58 and 88. So if I, can okay. get him at eight, if I get him at 88, I love that. But I'm looking at your uh, ADP you sent me from your drafts and Matt Olson's going around one pick 100. And I just think, you know, like I'll take that discount. I, I don't, I don't really think that Pete Alonso is going to give you a ton more than Matt Olson. Mm, yeah, I guess people are scared of that 195 batting average that Mike Matt Olson produced this year. Um, what was Pete Alonso's two ten? <laughs> I don't know off the top of my head. I'm I'm thinking two thirties, but I'm, I could be wrong. But you're he really right. Alonso turned it on at the end of the year, big time. Yeah, you're you're right. Two thirty one, and I think I think Matt Olson would have turned it on when it started going. And which I'm is sure a, which is about other... which is about what he hit like the second half of last year, Alonso, and he he had a great like um, he ended the season great. He hit a lot of home runs. Like if I I'm not a projections guy, but I would. I would I think Alonso is going to be like a 240-40 home run guy. I think he's going to do what like Eddie Eddie Encarnacion did in his prime. Um, I think that's that's something that would be a reasonable expectation, in my opinion. So I think well, if, actually, you're get, if you're, if you're getting, I agree him, with you because I think if you're getting him, you know, around pick seventy or eighty, I think that's that's a reasonable time. That's about where those guys, other than Alonzo, were going last year. You know, Matt Olson was a fourth rounder last year. You know. Um, uh, Eugenio Suarez was fourth rounder until he got hurt and then he was still fifth rounder. So yeah, I know I actually agree with you. If you're getting him, if you're getting Alonzo in the sixth round, you know, after pick 75, yeah, sign me up. So who would you uh, rather have Pete Alonzo or Vladdy Guerrero? Oh, Pete Alonzo hands down. Okay. And, uh, uh, are we skipping ahead? Because I feel like this is one of your. Oh no, you you didn't actually put. We actually neither of us put Alonzo as a going too early. But I mean, sorry, Vlad Guerrero as going too early. But but we both agree that he is. Um, and I think I forget what, maybe it was uh, Bubba and the Batflip I was listening to, and and one of them just said, you know, he he's really just maybe he's just not that good yet. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, uh, who's saying that he's just not he's not going to. And not going to be a very good major league player. Was that Toby who said that? 
Well, I don't know that he said he wasn't going to be. And, I, you know, I've heard other people say. Or was it Bubba? You know, I've heard. heard I, think, I, think, I, think, I was listening to the, the Pole Hitter podcast last night with, with uh, Toby and Bubba. I think it might have been on that one where they said okay. that. I don't know. Well, I'm sure. I mean, whoever said it, I'm, I'm actually kind of in agreement for 2021. You know, like, I, I don't know what Clyde Guerrero is going to turn into. But I know what he is now. And right now, he's not a hitter who's going to hit anywhere near 300. He's not a hitter who's going to hit 30-plus home runs. So I'm just not that interested in a guy who hits 275 and 25 home runs. And, you know, that's kind of my projection for Vlad. So in the, I know we're sort of getting off the rails, but in the, in the, in the, the money drafts, he went 85 and 69. So an ADP of 77. So he went 69th and then 85th. Um, okay. And I'm, okay, the, I'm okay with, because first base really dries up. So if, if you have, um, if you have, if in that draft where he went 85, Pete Alonso went 58 and then I don't know what, I have to check where all the other first basemen are going, but um, I ended up taking Vladimir Guerrero at 85. That was in the sixth round. Um, okay. So that's the point where I was comfortable taking him. As draft season goes on, I may get, less comfortable but um here's my point and, and this you know i i said i'd, I'd take olsen over over or Alonzo if he's if i'm getting a two you know a round or two discount but i mean here's my real point what i took in in my mock i took um uh christian walker you know and i'm talking around pick you know between 150 and 200 so you know yeah. what what exactly is Alonzo? I mean, I, 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 I'll give you this. Alonzo is going to give you at least five more home runs, maybe 10, than, than a lot of these guys I'm talking about. But other than that, you know, I just feel like you're paying a lot for those home runs. Yeah, that's a really good point. But anyway, um, we can move on to your second uh, fade, a, sec a second guy that you think is going too early. Um, All right. Um, I'll tell you a guy that – Six or Sanchez. Okay. Um, I think he's going around pick 80. Um, yeah. yeah. In, the, in, the, in the two early mocks. And just to, you, why do you think that is? Because I'm sorry to interrupt. but I Recency mean, bias. I um, mean, that is. Throws 100. I just, I just can't get there. I mean, he doesn't. You know, it's kind of like the Dustin May thing, right? He's, he's not really striking out that many guys. No. Um, just, just, um, just to close this, just to close the loop on Clevenger, he did, he did go, his ADP was 72, 73 in, in the money drafts. So he did, he was going a little bit later in, in, in my drafts than the, the, the two early mocks, but still, um, in my opinion, way, way too early. Um, one of the picks was actually before he got injured. So we were drafting before he made that start okay. in the playoffs. So I know um, Greg, Blanket chip took him, and I don't think he would have taken him. I'm almost 100% sure he wouldn't have taken him if um, he was injured after that. Um, yeah. But um, six toes. He's going around pick 100 in these money drafts, but around pick 80 in these mock drafts. And I think it has to do with them. Um, yeah, I don't I, – I, I wasn't on him last he's year. A He's a shooter shot guy, right? Like people just want to talk about him, so they're taking him in the mocks. I think I, I'm, I, yeah. Even a hunt, even at pick one hundred, is, is seems early, but um, that makes a little more sense, I guess. Uh, yeah, a little bit more sense. But I, I was always off him. Like I played a lot of dynasty leagues too, and I've always been off him because yeah, I know that he's like he's um, he's got amazing stuff, but he's he's not he's never been a put away pitcher. Like he's never he's never been able to get that third strike like a lot of the elite strikeout pitchers do like um like the the top like uh, among his peers as top prospects like your gores your pearsons your 
Matt Manning, whatever, right? So I, I was at like in these DCs, he was getting picked around 400, 500 last year. I didn't get any, I didn't get any of them. I was just off of him because um, I thought he was a little bit overhyped as a prospect. I was wrong on that because he, he's been great. Um, so that was, that was, that was a wrong fade of mine. And I was, I was grabbing other rookie pitchers that did absolutely nothing. So I'm not saying that I did anything good, but still this year to, for where he's being, where he's going, he's going ahead of, is he going like ahead of Plezak? He's going right around where Plezak is going. Um, That's crazy. And we'll get into like, I'm, I'm tipping my hand, but. Um, so let's talk about guys you would take, um, over Sixto that are going behind him. So please sack, obviously. Uh, Kyle yeah. Hendricks, Strasburg, or sorry, no. I don't let you answer about Kyle Hendricks. No, I wouldn't. I would. I would. I'd rather Sixto than Hendricks. Okay. And then next is Strasburg. I still, yeah, the injury. I'd still rather Sixto than Sounds than Strasburg. Yeah. Okay. So it's not so much the guys that are going right behind him. It's just that 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 may be where you start fading, starting pitching. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I think I'd be looking at um, uh, Granky. You might take Granky over. No, I would not. I would take Bundy over him. Okay. Yeah, Bundy's I would, I would, going later than I would. I might. Thought. I might take Paddock over him. Um, Oof, that's that's risky. Betting on the bounce back there. The yeah, next I, 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 said, is, I said I said might, but I, you know what? What, what about what, what about you? Would you? How, how would you rank the? I think I'm I think I'm off of Paddock for now. I just I need to see it. It's too it's too big of an unknown, you know. It's he could be a huge value for people or he could just torpedo you and I just if I'm paying, you know, a top even a top 150 pick for a pitcher and he's going to pick 100, then I just I want to I want to know what I'm getting, you know. So I'll take a little less upside uh later than uh, or or I'll pay up more and take pitchers earlier, but I just can't go how would you rank the Marlins starting pitchers like their best three? Uh, because they, in one of these drafts that I did, they all went in the same round. And when I say all, Sixto Sanchez, Sandy Alcantara, and Pablo Lopez. Yeah, that's Pablo really Lopez, interesting. Pablo, Pablo Lopez actually in our first draft went ahead of Sixto Sanchez. Wow. And so, so they're just for reference in the mocks, they're going, um, Sixto's going about 80th, Sandy Alcantara about 107. And Pablo Lopez about 127. So it's almost like there's, you know, roughly 20 picks between each of those three guys. And, and, and I guess that's probably the order I would rank them in. But to be honest with you, I'm just as out on Alcantara at 107 and Pablo Lopez at 127. I just think this is too early for guys that, yeah, these are up and coming pitchers. These are guys that I want to draft in the 12th or 13th round around pick 180. But, you know, pick 100 or pick 120 or even pick 80, it's just too, it's just too much for me. You know, you, you can draft just lights out hitters there and just, get, you know, get your pitchers earlier and get true aces that are going to give you. See, one thing these guys aren't going to give you um, is like, especially, um, especially Sixto and, and to a large extent Alcantara, they're not going to give you 200 plus strikeouts, you know. And so no. even if they, even if they're solid in ERA and really, really good with whip, which I think, I think all these guys can be, I, I'm, I'm definitely lowest on Pablo Lopez. I think he has a little left to prove, but even if they can give you sort of a, a really good whip and, and, and don't get blown up, you know, too much to have a you know, decent ERA, the strikeouts that you're not getting from a real ace it's it's huge. I, I I don't even know exactly how else to put it. I mean, like, 
you, you have to pay up for the real aces and then you can sort of skip out on these middle rounds pitchers. You know, I was saying a lot last year, referencing back to 2018, you don't know if you're going to get, you know, when you draft a pitcher in the seventh round, you don't know if you're going to get Nick Pavetta or, or Shane Bieber. Um, Cause that was, you know, Bieber broke out in 20, maybe I'm thinking of 2019, but anyway, Bieber broke out in 2019 and Pavetta imploded and they were both going around the same spot in the draft. And I think it's here where you have these very promising guys that can go either way. And it's just too much for me to pay. Yeah. I, I think this, this, this spot of the draft from fading starting pitching. Um, yeah, I think that's really smart because you're, you're paying almost as much as if you draft a guy in the 34th round. There's a lot of guys now that are going a couple rounds after this that I like more. Um, yeah. Like, and you, like and you can afford to, you know, to miss a couple later too. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, like, look, like just going, looking at the, my draft, I don't know how it will shake the shift out in the team early mocks, but you guys got, you got like, you got Fran, Fran, you got all the, all the Houston guys, Framer Valdez, McCullers, and even Christian Javier going way later. Um, Julio Urias going after there. Um, just, just Framber, Framber's a good one to talk about. I mean, the other ones possibly too, but I think Framber has, has shown enough that I can say, I feel like he's almost equally promising with any of the three Marlins guys. Uh, and he plays for the Astros. So you can go ahead and pencil in, you know, if they each start a full season's complement, then you can pencil in an extra five wins probably for Framber over any of the Marlins. So that's one yeah. thing. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just think that, you know, there's enough good pitchers or promising pitchers that you can take after pick 250 even, you know, that there's really no reason to take very promising, very good pitchers, but not, not true aces, you know, anywhere around pick 100. It's just too early for me. So I, I think that's a really good call out. Um, if we can move to, to my second guy, uh, and it's another hitter, uh, it's Glaber Torres. Uh, and, uh, you know, the first thing I want to make sure people realize about Glaber Torres is he is not going to be um, second base eligible in 2021. So that was, that was part of the reason he was going as early as he was this year. He was kind of lumped into that group of second basemen with Kettle Marte and uh, Keston Hira in the third round. I think Glaber was maybe even getting pushed up to the late second round sometime. But um, I, was, I was avoiding him there, but I, I kind of understood that, okay, well, you got to get a second baseman and these are your top options. Well, um, at shortstop is even less attractive uh, to me. So for one thing, the 38 home runs in 2019, I, I find to be rather fluky. Yeah, you know, I, there's been a lot of talk made about how he hit, you know, double digits of those against the Orioles in, right. in Camden, that. which is beneficial for home runs, which, you know, that could, he could repeat that because he's definitely going to play the Orioles hey, Mookie, again. Mookie, Mookie Betts had years where he just slaughtered Camden and Fenway. So, so it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I think people, when they draft him, so he's going at pick 62 in the early mocks. Um, where's he, where's he going in your uh, leagues? I think around 70. Uh, he's going okay, to be, yeah. he's, he's going, I just looked it up, 74 on average. So, so, so a little bit later. So I think, you know, it's a little easier to stomach, but the, for me, the main thing about Glaber is, you know, you're going to get the Yankee sort of, 
counting stats, but that's about it. You know, you're, you're, you're really paying for that. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a 35 home run guy. I don't even know if he's going to be a 30 home run guy. Um, you know, and I, I don't think you're going to get a 300 average by any means. I think it's going to be more like a, you know, he hit 278 in 2019 on his just scorching hot year. Um, so maybe, maybe he can hit 270 uh, on the regular. It was 243 this year. So I'm just, I'm a little not sure about that. So, um, so yeah, so Glaber, let's see. He's going ahead of, oh, it's hard to find positions, but uh, Kevin Biggio is the next second baseman. I would be very tempted to take Kevin Biggio there because I, I think you're going to get a lot of stolen bases, which is pretty nice. He's going before Keston Hira. I think I would take Hira over Torres still because I think you're going to get 35 home runs plus from Hira. I would take um, Torres over Hira. Okay. Kettle Marte's uh, going several picks later now. That's, uh, that's the one I was looking down. That's the one I sort of stopped on. Yeah, I kind of feel like I would take him. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm messing up here, Zach. I'm comparing him to the second baseman. Sorry. Glaber Torres is a shortstop. We got to get that through our heads. <laughs> okay. So, so the next shortstop that I see, and, and holler if you see one, but I'm seeing Javier, Javier Baez going around pick 83 in the two early mocks. I would much rather have Javier Baez than Glaber Torres. Yeah, um, that's the one. That, that's definitely the one uh, that I was looking at as well. But after that, I'm, 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 like, I'm, I'm filtering shortstops in my draft because I have it in Excel. Didi Gregorius is the next one at, at an ADP of 140. So there's a huge drop-off. So like, Dansby Swanson's my, around pick 104. Um, and, you know, like, again – We'll I get take, to that with me, right? I thought he was one of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but with both of those examples, even Didi, you know, I take price into consideration quite a bit here. And, and so, yeah, maybe Torres is more palatable at pick 74 or whatever in your drafts. But at pick 62, I'm drafting Nelson Cruz or, or Teoscar Hernandez or, or Austin Meadows or, you know, these other guys that are going around that pick um, instead of Glaber Torres. So right. that's, just, that's just me. But, uh, for, for me, uh, shortstop is known to be a deep position. However, it, um, it is deep, but it, it dries up really quickly. So you, you see like Clark and, and I'm just, it's easy because I'm using mine because I'm fil- I, can, I can filter it. He's a 10th shortstop off the board in, in my drafts um, already. And that's at pick 74 on average. Um, so they, they go fast and furious. Um, I'm good. I, like, I don't have any, I don't have any issue. I, di- I, I disagree that he's going too early um, in either of those cases. I think he's, I think that's about, I think the price is about right for him there. I think he, I think he, I think that discount, I think the discount from last year, from 2020 has been has been baked in there i think i think that price is decent i haven't got him yet but um uh don't know um how that's how i'm gonna get him based on how my teams are gonna be looking but i don't have a, i don't have a problem with taurus's price okay that's that's fair i mean f- fifth or sixth round is probably or you know, sorry four, uh fifth round it really in both uh early fifth round in the in the mocks and then late fifth round in years i mean that's I can, I can see it. Um, it's kind of like with Alonzo for me where, you know, I either get a first baseman, I either get a true elite first baseman uh, earlier or I wait a long time. And it's kind of the same at shortstop with Glaber. So, 
All right. Uh, third player, third and final player that you think uh, is going too early. And, and I say final because I know we could have named about 15 more uh, that we think are going too early. And that's just, you know, I think that's the way to do it is to, to come up with the guys that you're, you're just going to kind of cross off and then, and then get your guys. But who's a, who's a third player that you're um, not taking at his early ADP? As early mocks ADP, I'll, I'll give you a guy that uh, I'll tell you I'm never taking, but I took him in, I took him in one of my two drafts that I've done already. But I'll, I'm never taking him, at, and it's all value-based at, at the price here is Gary Sanchez. Um, oh, wow. Gary. Um, Gary, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm hating on the Sanchez's on and these early mocks, but um, he, his ADP is 169. Um, no, uh, he's, I think it's well-documented that he's um, sucked this year. And he might, and he's lost, he's lost playing time to Kyle Hishigawa. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but. Um, I doubt it, but hey, valiant effort. You, the point's been made. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I, I took him, I'll tell you, just, just, just for reference, I'll tell you that I took him at pick after 200. So it was yeah. not, it was not as early as that. Um, and I took him at pick two at uh, pick two sixteen, and that's about that's about where I'm comfortable taking him. One sixty nine. There's just too many other good players available, pitchers and hitters, uh, to take a catcher. Like I granted, these are two catcher leagues, but um, I I can only justify taking him at two sixteen, and, and I have to justify taking him um, because yeah, he might not he might not have full have he might not even have the starting gig. He might not even be on the Yankees. But I'm saying if he's playing somewhere, even if he's playing at a forty percent share of playing time i say he's he's on the the, the slightly um shittier side of, of a platoon then he's still gonna hit you 20 bombs and those 20 bombs are gonna come with less at bats than your typical catcher hitting even probably 15 or 12 so let's say he's gonna he's gonna kill your batting average he's not gonna kill your batting average as much as you would with 450 at bats as if he gets 300 to bats. so it's almost like okay gary sanchez hits you 20 home runs over 300 at bats um, or Gary Sanchez hits you 32 home runs over 475 at bats. It's not even that much worse because you're saving your batting average. Yeah, it's a great point. And I completely agree. And I think that's about right. Like after 200, I mean, there's still too much upside there to completely ignore Gary Sanchez in drafts, but you need a big discount. And so yeah. I'm really, I'm really glad you picked him because there's two players I didn't put on any list that, that we were going to talk about, but I, but the next, the very next two catchers I want to talk about that I would take over Sanchez. Um, the next two t- catchers that are going after him at 194 Christian Vasquez and at 200 Austin Nola. Um, I think both of these guys are going to give you better overall production than Sanchez. Now Vasquez may only hit 15 home runs, uh, with full playing time, and I'm talking, you know, between 450 and 500 plus at bats. Uh, but he's also he's even going to chip in a few stolen bases, maybe five stolen bases, and um, he hits for a 270 average. I mean, he's he's legit good. I've I've have yet to say. I don't know why there's sort of a bias against Christian Vasquez uh, for some people. And then the very next guy, Austin Nola, is going around pick 200. I think Austin Nola, I don't know where these guys come from. He's 30 years old. He's a, he's a very late breakout, but he seems like a legit hitter who could, yeah. you know, you know, if he gets, um, you know, if he gets the strong side of the catching platoon there, 
in uh, San Diego. I don't know if he's staying in San is Diego. Castro, is Castro a free agent there? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I haven't really looked at all that. I, I, just... I, believe, I believe Castro is a free agent, and they have, they have Francisco Mejia. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm not too worried about Mejia. That guy's not oh. working out. No. But anyway, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have to, uh, to look more into Nola, but I mean, I think either of those guys would be, you know, if Nola has a job and, uh, you know, assuming I'm not wrong about Christian Vasquez and maybe like, I don't know if his contract is up, but assuming those guys have jobs, I would take both of them a lot earlier than pick 200 where they're going. Well, I'll let you know, um, uh, in the D- draft champions league that I did, um, that are, that are going to be played out for money, um, Sanchez went, his ADP was 205. Um, Austin Nola's ADP was 180. And Christian Vasquez's ADP was 135, 134. Oof, 134. That's, that's yeah. tough. I mean, I, I knew but, it was uh, I, think, I think it's similar to what, what you talked about with relief pitchers. As, uh, you can apply that to catching two in the box because it's just not a sexy position. So people want to sure. get their guys and, and they want to, they're focusing on other things in those mocks. That's why, like, like, you can look at positions, like, in a vacuum in these mocks maybe. Um, it might be a better, might be a more useful tool than looking at the mocks in aggregate because yeah, like certain positions getting pushed down like catchers, like relief pitchers, because in, in these, in these real, when you, when you're pointing up 150 bucks, it's, it's enough money that you're going to play this out for real. And you're going to realize that you need two catchers and other players and you got to play the runs and they just, it's just more, it's more representative. It's more representative here. So it, it, you're seeing huge discrepancies in the ADP. Um, mm. Yeah, Christian Vasquez is the, the best example of that we've found so far. So, um, yep. yeah, I completely agree there. Good call out on on, uh, on Gary. Both of the Sanchez's, really, I, I agree with you. Nice. My uh, third guy that I think is going uh, way too early, uh, it almost pains me to say it, but it's Joey Gallo. Um, I think Joey Gallo is, has finally, you know, proven that the batting average is not coming up, not, not over a full season. Um, you know, he, he, he played a partial season in uh, 2019 and, and gave everybody hope because he hit 253 over just 70 games. But then uh, over 57 games this year, it was 181. And, uh, you know, both of those partial seasons, I'm not putting too much stock in. But the two previous years, 2017 and 2018, he hit 209 and 206 in full seasons. This, this is just who Gary, who, uh, Gary Sanchez, probably Gary Sanchez too, but this is just who Joey Gallo is, I'm afraid. And while he may give you 40 bombs, even the counting stats aren't going to be that great because he's not on base ever. He either hits a bomb or strikes out. I guess he does walk and he'll steal you a couple bases, so that is valuable. I think, but, well, I think he's not as bad in OBP, right? Like, no, like- I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, you know, to some extent. I mean, he, he may still just get you an okay OBP, just, just over 300. Um, but you're right. I mean, that, that's going to hurt you less. The, the batting average really is, you know, and I should, should really focus in on that. I mean, that just kills you. You, know, you talk about Gary Sanchez over 450 or 500 plate appearances, you know, hitting 200 just kills you. You know, Joey Gallo could get 600 plate appearances. He could get more. And, yeah. you know, that's just that there's no coming back from that. I mean, you compare that with DJ LeMayhew and you come out at, you know, a D, just an okay batting average, 260, you know, 
and that's you know that's if they both <laughs> if if Lemayhu gets hurt, then your your season's over. <laughs> you know, like, and that's and I, I don't really recommend that anyway, to be honest, because I feel like there you can just do better than this somewhere else. You know, you may yeah. not get those forty home runs, but you get you get two guys later that give you you know a two fifty average, and they each get you thirty home runs or something. You know, like you're gonna you're just gonna come out doing better than you can with with Joey Gallo. So I just I don't really see the case for him. Oh, I, I think it's a great call. I'm totally, I'm, I'm totally on board with that call. You said 130, 131 was the ADP? 127, I saw. Oh, yeah, one th- somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, he just, just for reference, in, 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 in our draft champions leagues, he's gone at 160 and 211. So he has an ADP of 185. Oh, okay. how, do you, how do you feel about that ADP? So I'm still, I, personally, I'm still out. I'd have to think about it. I mean, we've, we found another example, it appears, like Gary Sanchez, where I, I think the – the mocks are just, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, name value is still sort of playing there because people aren't really having to think about wh- what's this going to do to my team because we don't actually play out these teams. So, yeah. I, I, here's, I, another, here's, another, here's another reason. This is, I think this is another great example of um, maybe. This, this might be an example of it, but um, I'll tell you, this, I'll tell you um, another reason why you can't use these mocks when you're, when you're drafting – like a five by five, 15 team roller league for the NFBC uh, for money. Um, you can't use these because you have people doing these mocks that play head to head points leagues. And they're, and that's the leagues they play because not all these players are coming from the same uh, leagues that, that they play during the season. Um, some players don't play for money and they, they just play home leagues that are, like I said, head to head. And Joey Gallo is a, a way better head to head points player than he is a five by five roto player. So you're going to have that sort of, you're going to have a player that plays a home league points league in these mock drafts that's going to take Joey Gallo and pick like 90 or 100, right? Yeah. Am I, am that's I a right? good point. That definitely happens. Yeah, for sure. And that, you know, Gallo probably is a good uh, example of that. Um, you know, there, there are definite differences. And, you know, when, if you're a, if you're a points lead player, you need to go ahead and ignore every time anyone on a podcast that's talking about Roto brings up Alberto Mondesi, <laughs> you know, yeah. there are just, there are just things that don't translate between the two. So I'd give very good to actually anyone. Yeah. Ignoring Alberto Mondesi. Well, if he's still going to go where he's been going, which is you know top fifty pick, then pass, hard pass for me. So, um, all right. So let's get to some happier topics. Some players that we think are you were right. Maybe we shouldn't call them values, but some players that we see that are just <laughs> still going too late. Um, and I'll go first this time. So uh, a player that I actually took in this, um, in, in my mock draft that I'm really happy about, I was taking him a lot last year and getting him a lot later, is uh, Gio Urshela. Uh, he's going around pick 158, 160, somewhere in there. Um, I, you know, Urshela, for now, you know, for a season and a half, has shown that he – you know, is, is absolutely locked into this position because he's just too good a hitter not to have in your lineup. I mean, he hit 314 in 2019 and 298 in 2020. Um, you know, he's, he's got roughly 25 to 30 home run power. Uh, maybe 30 is a bit of a stretch. And there's just no real downside to this guy that I can find. I mean, there's, it doesn't look 
super lucky. He just looks like a 300 hitter almost. Um, uh, I don't really know what else to say. Urshel is really good, and he's a Yankee, and he's going to play. So, yeah, 150 is, is far too late for a guy who's going to be what you're hoping Vlad Jr. will be. Really? I don't know. I'm hoping, but well, yeah, he should. I said this before. You shouldn't hope when you draft somebody in the fifth round. You should. You should have be a little bit more confident that. But I'm serious. I don't know. I, I, think, I, serious I, I think. I think. I think his. I think his price is about is about right, Shoshella? I don't know. Um, I'm not going to. I think he's going to give you. Close. I think. I think he's going to give you as many home runs as Vlad, if not more. So I'm. I'm kind of penciling in 25 for each of them. I think he's going to give you better runs in RBIs because he plays for the Yankees. Uh, and I think he's going to give you a better batting average. Hmm. I can see the batting average at this point. I don't know. I don't know if I'm on board with that. Uh, I'd have to look more. I'd have to look more into this. But right as of now, I'm not really. The only thing that I can say for Vlad in this comparison is that Vlad will give you more upside. I mean, he, you know, yes. if he ever figures it out, he can hit you 40 bombs. But there's no sign of that happening yet. You have to give me that. True. I will give you that. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's, our show has never really been a target of mine. Um, but where he's going, he's, he's sort of one of those sneaky picks that um, those sly players are gra- that are grabbing and people are just getting the, the sexier picks around that time. Maybe, um, maybe you are onto something here. All right. Well, something for you to research. I yeah. really like uh, the first guy you said uh, is going too late. So let's go ahead and well, I'll, I'll, I'll say real quick, because I was trying to do this for each pick, guys that are going ahead of Urshela that I would take him over uh, at third base. Josh Donaldson, absolutely. I'm worried about the guy's health. Um, and he's just, he's just getting older. I mean, if, if he's healthy, he can, he can still get the job done, but it just hasn't been the case uh, lately. Uh, Mike Moustakas, uh, you know, we're up to pick 139 now, and I – you know, not only would I like the discount, but I just – Urshel is going to do so many things better than Moustakas. Um, Moustakas has obviously got more power, but I just, you know, I, I think all told, I'll take Urshela's total total package. Um, <laughs> Dylan Moore, I don't know if he's actually third base eligible, but he's going to pick one twenty five. Okay. Uh, Alec Bohm. Um, oh, do you need to get the phone? Um, no, I'm okay. <laughs> all right. Alec Bohm is going to pick 119. Give me Urshela all day. Uh, I think, you know, those players actually could end up being fairly similar and maybe Bohm has more upside, but I mean, 30, 40 picks later. And that's probably enough. I'd also take Urshela over Chris Bryant, possibly straight up. In our draft, Chris, uh, Urshela was going ahead of Chris Bryant. Oh, wow. Yeah. Urshela had an ADP of 135. So he was going just after Baum ahead of he was going ahead of Bryant Donaldson, Cabrian Hayes. Um, okay, one thirty five is getting on up there. Uh, I, I still think Urshel is a good pick there, but uh, you know, obviously that's twenty something picks sooner. So the yeah. value you're you think getting the price, the price is about right there. I, I think the price is getting closer to, to right. I mean, you know, I'm looking at your ADP now. The the people that just went before Urshel, I I was I would take him over Christian Vasquez. I would take him over. Uh, some of these pitchers that are going before him. You know, this is kind of weird, but I think I might take him over Jose Altuve. Of course, that's a different position. But That's a relevant comp. That's interesting. I'm not even trying to be spicy there. I just, you know, 
Altuve, what's he going to give you these days? Twenty, maybe twenty home runs and five stolen bases. I mean, it's just not enough anymore. He's not going to hit three fifty probably anymore. Yeah, it's not happening anymore. Yeah, no, that's, that's, Bohm, not, that's, that's something to think about for sure. Alec Bohm at, at one uh, twenty-seven on average in your uh, leagues. I think that's probably a guy you're going to see drafted around Urshela a lot, and and I, I just feel a lot more comfortable with Urshela. I think he plays in a better lineup. And I think, you know, the average is legit with Urshela, which I'm just, I, you know, maybe Baum is a 300 hitter, but Urshela's already been doing it for a while, so. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a tough call. All right. What about, well, what, about, uh, what about Matt Chapman versus those guys? Oof. Yeah, that's tough because Chapman's going to get you really good counting stats. Because he's getting taken right before those two in, in my drafts. I think I have to go with Chapman there because of the power and the counting stats. He's going to hit, you know, he's going to hit cleanup or third in that lineup. And I just, that's going to be valuable. And the power is going to be valuable, but it's close. I mean, he's definitely not going to hit for the average of an Urshela or probably even a Bohm. So I don't think it's that far away. And probably at the price, I might take Urshela. Cool. So that was my first guy going too late. Now let's get to yours. Uh, I like him a lot. It is. I think I think you're alluding to Zach Plesac. Okay. Well, I had it, uh, I had uh, had him in another order, but uh, okay. Police. I actually really like that pick too. So Plesac, you know, people might be surprised is going uh, pick uh, eight seventy nine or eighty in the early mocks, and you think that's too late. So I think yeah, I think everyone thinks that's too late. <laughs> that's doing real. That's doing the doing drafting for money. Um, All right, so where's he going in your leagues? I'm less lucky because I haven't been filtered by third baseman right now. So I'm going to say he is going. His ADP is 59. So he's getting he got picked, wow. taken at pick 58 and 60. So so 20 very, picks earlier. So he's actually going at the very end of the fourth round in 15 teamers. Yeah. Wow. Which is about which is about where you probably see him settle out in the main event and um, competitive uh, leagues. So. You, you asked me who, who I think is going too late in these early mocks, and that was a pretty easy answer for me. All right, so, so spoiler alert, you actually kind of turned my head even more towards Zach Plesak, but, um, but I want you to explain why, and then I'll sort of pile on. Why I like him there? Yeah, why he's worth a fourth-round pick. Well, A, he had a great season this year. B, the Indians are great at developing pitchers. C, the Indians let their pitchers pitch a long time into games. Um, uh, he's, I think he's a great pitcher. I think his, his every, everything, every stat that I looked at pointed to him being a great pitcher. And um, he's just um, health-wise, he seems great. Um, <laughs> That's important. He, 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 you know, especially because he broke a COVID protocol and he didn't even get sick. So he's obviously a very healthy guy. <laughs> he's got a strong um, immune system. We like yeah, that. yeah, exactly. No, but uh, um, well, did, well, did, hey, let me, did that answer the question? So I was actually, when, when I first saw you picked, the, when I first saw you say AD was too early uh, or too late, um, I, I looked at a few things and I was like, okay, why do I, I don't have him that high. I mean, I had him in my top 40, of course, but I just didn't have him as like a, what's that, like a top 20 pitcher. And so um, I looked at, I was like, well, he, he got a little bit lucky on BABIP and he left 92% of the p- p- players on base. And so I was like, well, you got to regress that. And then I look over, but his, R, but his ERA was 2.28. <laughs> so even if you regress that, and this is what I think people, you know, mistakenly uh, 
do a lot of times is they're like, well, you know, he got lucky, it's going to regress. But, but what do you regress it to? And this was kind of like the Kettle Marte batting average thing. It's like you regress a 330 batting average, it's still pretty dang good. And you regress a 228 ERA, and it's still like a low threes ERA. And then you look over, and this guy walked less than one batter per nine innings. Like, what? That's crazy. That's a crazy low walk rate. And his strikeout rate was over a batter an inning. So, you know, now, I mean, we're really putting together uh, the profile of a pitcher who's going to have an elite whip and a very good strikeout rate. And, um, and then you see that he went uh, 55 innings over eight starts. So just to 55.1, actually, let's not short the guy. That is 6.9 innings per start. So he goes deep into games. Very good strikeout, not elite, but very good. And um, an elite whip and probably a low threes ERA. Yeah, this is a top 20 pitcher or, you know, right around there. So, yeah, you, you, you brought me in. <laughs> my, one, my one word of caution for him is that he did pitch in the central. And I guess it's a chicken or egg debate there, whether or not the, the good pitching, it's good pitching or it's bad hitting that caused the, the stats to be dictated the way they were this year. However, he did, he did beat up. On the, on the bad teams this year. If you look at it, I looked at his game log and um, uh, his, his, he had a couple, he had a couple bad, uh, he had a couple bad starts. Um, and they were against the White Sox, the Twins, and his three worst starts were White Sox, Twins, and, and Reds. If not for those, then he would have been amazing. So, um, like, and even, and, but even in some of the bad starts, like he, he gave up five earned runs to the Twins, but he, but he went seven innings. And he only walked one guy, and then he gave up true. four. He, he gave up four earned runs to the White Sox, but he still went six point two with seven strikeouts. Like he's giving you something, and you know, I, the yeah. way I've come down on it is these pitchers, all the way up to Bieber, that are in the Central, you've got to regress their ERA because they just didn't face the worst batters. But I don't really think you can fake control unless you want to say that the umpires were giving them too much, you know. So I, I really feel like, yeah, he's not going to have uh, – uh, police sex not going to have a sub-1 walk rate. But control is a part of his arsenal. You know, he's not going back to the three-plus uh, walks per nine of last year. And if you look through his work in the minors, like he was a very, very good control pitcher. And he, like you said at the top, the Indians just seem to breed these guys. Yeah. And uh, one of my guys is, is an Indian too, so I won't uh, skip down to that. But – I. I'm, I think uh, think you're onto something with Plesac. Now you know it's going to be tough if he's going at the end of the fourth round. I mean, you're not going to yeah. value. <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know how much. I don't know how, how early I'd feel comfortable. Just there's other pitchers there that are all that are very much more proven. And yeah. like he did have like a lot of the a lot of the, he did have a lot of gems uh, this year with like no earned runs or one earned run and a lot of strikeouts and no walks. But like Detroit, Kansas, like he had two, four, six, eight starts, and Three of them, like basically half his starts were worth – three of them were against Detroit and Kansas City. And then really – and then he had – like we talked about, we had three other starts that were um, – again, that he didn't do that well against, against good teams. And then two the two other starts he did well against were the White Sox, which I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't dive into those box scores uh, yet. But um, it's about it, really. Like um, I think, you know, getting – Getting your pitchers 
so, so first of all, I'm not drafting a guy in the fourth round, you know, that's, that's not a borderline ace. And so it's, just, but it's just going to be really hard because I, I really do think he's like at the very end of the top 20 pitchers or somewhere around there. But, you know, that's around, for me, that's around like Strasburg and, uh, you know, maybe even Granky and, you know, guys like that. But why, if you're going to, if you're going to go there, why not pay around earlier and get a Brandon Woodruff or, you know, uh, Maeda or, you know, maybe even like uh, Blake Snell or something. I, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time paying up for somebody who's done it once when they're, you know, within a round of some of these guys who, who I yeah. believe are true, true aces. That's what I'm saying. I don't know much more how much more I could stomach him getting pushed up. I'm just saying for the, 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 mock, pick 80, the mocks. Yeah, yeah, 80 is too low. Yeah, no, I mean, Carrasco and Sixto Sanchez are going ahead of him. I'll, I'll absolutely take Polisak there. So it's a great yeah. call out. Yeah. All right. Um, my next guy that is going too late, and I'm prepared for you to, to fight me a little bit on this one um, because it's Tommy Edmond, and he's going around pick 179, 180, somewhere around there. Um, and, you know, I, I understand why. I mean, he was going around pick, uh, what do you think, around maybe like 130 going into the season? Um, yeah. And, you know, part of the thesis there was he stole 15 bags in just 92 games last year. You know, people were hoping he could steal 30. And he played, you know, the whole season here, <laughs> short as it was, and he stole two bases. Uh, but I'm going to make the case – that the stolen bases come back for, for our boy, Tommy Edmund. So uh, you may remember the Cardinals missed about three weeks of the season and then they played double headers a lot. So the Cardinals had a whack. I mean, 2020 was wacky for everybody, but for the Cardinals, it was times 10. And then um, uh, Tommy Edmund actually attempted six stolen bases. So it kind of sucks that he got caught four times, but it's not, for lack of speed. I mean, he's, no. he's got 90, 95th percentile sprint speed. He's, he's fast. And so, you know, I kind of feel like, well, maybe that was fluky too. Uh, at least he's trying, you know, and, and probably comes back next year and the steals return. Now I'm not penciling him in for 30, like some people are doing. I'm probably not even going to expect that they go over 20, but, I, but I think he's going to chip in something in steals, even if it's 10 or 15, that plays and it's, it's very valuable. Another thing about Edmund for me is I don't think this 250 batting average from 2020 is anywhere close to true talent for him. He hit 304 last year and granted he had a 346 BABIP, but I don't think the 301 BABIP he had this year was, was real for him. Guys that are 95th percentile in sprint speed don't really have 301 BABIPs. So I think it's going to be higher. I think the batting average is going to be 270 or 280. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And I would even say, you know, he hit five home runs in just 55 games. So, you know, he's going to have at least 15 home runs, I think. And I could see upside from there. Um, you know, yeah, that's I think the, you're, yeah, I think you're selling me on him. I think you, I think you did sell me. Okay, I was prepared for 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 a battle there because I, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know if you were on him before I sold you on him at all. No, I, I wasn't really I think, on him. I think Tommy Edmonds really flying under some radars at this point because, you know, I'm curious where he went in your drafts. He went, uh, I just pulled that up. He went. Um, okay. Once 159. 159. Where did you say he went in the box? 
179. So, I mean, you know, it's 20 picks, but at that point in the draft, it's not as big of a gap, you know? So I think even in, so, so he went in the 11th round in yours. I think, I think I'm into Tommy Edmond there for sure. So I think, I think people are, um, you know, for, first of all, he's second base. I mean, that's, <laughs> that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he did lose. He did lose. Like compared to his uh, like one thirty ish ADP last year, he did lose position eligibility, and he is coming off of a quote unquote down season. So I can see. I don't see. I don't see him going as early as he was last year. Let me see that. Happen. Yeah, but I think I might actually take him there. Um, I don't know. I have to I have to look. But uh, I, you know, I, I definitely think he's he's worth. If he's going in the eleventh round, I'm going to have a lot of Tommy Edmund. I, I think he's he had a not so great twenty twenty, as did the Cardinals in general. But I think Tommy Edmonds a pretty good hitter that could have some real stolen base upside. Okay. All right. Who you got at uh, – oh, I didn't do it again, but guys that are going before Tommy Edmond, second base, because that's the most crucial position. He's going after Rugnetto Door in the, in the mock drafts. No chance I'm letting, uh, I'm letting that happen. Uh, what? He's, <laughs> where's Rugnetto Door going in the mock drafts? Oh, my, so this is another problem. Uh, not all the drafts have finished. Um, so he's only been taken in one draft. Oh, okay. And he went at 175. So. Okay, that's uh, really stupid. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen in the others. No, so. That's, that's so we can ignore that. We, <laughs> we can, can ignore that. that. Yeah, that's, that's so, the other thing because in these mock drafts, you still do have a small sample size if, if the player was taken once. I yeah. Don't yeah, that's yeah. not the case for many players, but hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll. You got a couple maybe near, 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 the, near the end that we're not really talking about that have been taken like in one or two drafts. It's, it's tough. Like I see, I, I think um, just scrolling so, down, I see Matt Manning just got taken once. I think so. He has an ADP of like three hundred and something, but he, like, he was taken in like the six hundreds in my in, in some of the drafts or one of the drafts that I did. So unless I missed anybody, you have to go all the way up to Jake Cronenworth and Mike Mustakas. And Jonathan VR, they're all going around, you know, in the 130s somewhere. Uh, I don't even know if Mustakis is still second base eligible. I guess he was, I don't know. Let's, that may be a dumb comment. He just didn't place that much this year. And so I don't know where he was playing for the Reds, but. Um, I'm see. not he got, sure. Where he got playing. 44 games in. Look at his game log. Okay. Yeah. He did play mostly second. So, well, so yeah. But I mean, you know, there was some. He had some injury trouble. Yeah, I think I'm going Edmund. I mean, if nothing else, just for the stolen base upside. I'd rather Edmund um, than Mustakas. And, and I'm definitely taking Edmund over Cronenworth. I mean, I feel like Cronenworth, his, his upside is, is Edmund. You know, I think, you know, people are hoping he can hit for that really good average. And maybe, maybe, he, maybe they're very similar players. But, yeah, especially if I get him at a discount, I'm taking Edmund there. Great. I like that. That's a good call, I think. All right, so who's your second uh, player that you think's going too late? Well, who, was the guy guy? Were, who was the guy that you were referring to that you? <laughs> I thought you were going to talk was... about uh, uh, Swanson. Okay, yeah, that's that's who I was going to go to next. Okay. Um, yeah, Swanson. So um, he was like a top twenty player last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I just want a piece of that Braves offense, man. Like they're all like, if you want a piece of that Braves offense, you're gonna you're gonna miss out on I think at least uh, three players. Um, before, well, you got Freeman, Acuna, um, Ozuna, um, yeah, Albies four, Albies four, like before even, before you get, before you get through halfway through the third round. 
And then you got him from Swanson right there. So um, he, he is going, where is he going in these mock drafts? 104 to 106, somewhere in there. Let's just, let's just get an exact number. He's, his well, ADP see- is 106 in these mock drafts. Where he's going in the, the money drafts, so an, an ADP of 106 compared to an ADP of 58. 58? Yeah. That, so he was taking... Forty-nine, early, early fourth round, and then sixty-seven. So I feel like I'm a huge Swanson guy, and fifty fourth round is is too early for me. Well, I we mean, got some good players. Uh, you might be surprised at if I told you offline who took him, but um, <laughs> I might. Um, but, but and then sixty-seven, yeah. like he's going early. He's going ahead of Torres in these drafts. I'm okay with that. I mean that. I, I I feel like you should be getting Swanson later, and I would I would like that. If they're going, you know, if if Torres is going a, a lot later, I might even just take a shot on him. I think you know, maybe the confusion is: do we think just do people think Swanson's going to be a twenty twenty guy? Because I, I just I'm not convinced he's going to steal that many bases. I think he could be. Um, I don't I don't know about his average though. Like yeah, I think I, it's a I, lot I think of hoping. He's gonna. He's a lot of hoping, but he he is going to be a compiler. I don't know. Like his, it's uncertain. It's a lot. Of, there's a lot of uncertainty with him, right? Because so here's, where, here's I don't know where he's gonna hit that order either. So so he's probably a 25 home run guy. I think we can probably agree on that. He's somewhere in that range. But there, yeah, maybe 20 to 25. But the average, like you said, he he had a 251 average in 2019 with a 300 BABIP and a 274 average this year with a 350 BABIP. So I got to think the truth is somewhere in there. You know, it's 260, 265. Maybe he can be a 270 hitter, you know, if everything goes well. But uh, he's not going to hit 300, you know, or anything close. Um, You know, he stole five bases this year, 10 last year. I'm not penciling him in for any more than 15. And I think 10 is probably prudent. So we're talking about a 25-10 guy, maybe a 25-15. I mean, you know, granted, if he's a 25-15, 270 guy, then there may be a case for fourth round. But I think you're, that's best case. I think you're really hoping there. So him or Biggio? That's tough. I think I, think I take Swanson over Biggio just because – Biggio's got to cast a shit. They're, right, they're, right, they're back-to-back in my ADP. They're both uh, – Swanson has a 58 ADP and then a 58.5 for Biggio. I give Biggio the edge on stolen bases. I give Swanson the edge on batting average. But, you know, yeah. overall profile, it's pretty close. But the, I think that people, people, people see, like, the player rater and, and, and the, like how, how much equity he produced this year. And a lot of that value was runs. Like, yeah, like, he's going to be a very solid player. And he's going to be, like, like if he's going to be a 25-15, 25-10 – 250, 270, it's, it's really, like, it, it's very much, like, like where, he, where he gets clumped into is going to be, like, he's got, he's got so little margin of error because if he's a 2010 guy, 250, then, like, it's going to be so much lower than, like, a 20, like, just, like, he, he, it, it's a game of inches with him, it feels. And, like, he, his value is so much um, – so much dictated by the runs that he scored. He scored 49 runs this year, which is like almost like he almost led the league. I think maybe Tatis had more, um, but he was really, he was up there. Um, 
And that, and then I don't know where he's going to be batting in the order. Like Albies getting drafted in the second round. Albies could be, could take that top five spot away. Like Toronto could be hitting second, but unlikely, or he could be hitting more likely probably like sixth or seventh. Right. So I don't know if those runs are going to be there again. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's a fragile profile. I mean, I, I think you've kind of made that point well, but I, I think it's a fragile, like nothing, there's no carrying stat. He's not going to hit 40 home runs at any point. He's not going to steal 30 bases at any point. He's not going to hit 300 at any point. It's, it's just, he's, he's doing well for you in all five categories, but he's not knocking anything out of the park. Uh, in he a, in reminds me, one category. If the best way to describe him is like take Francisco Lindor and just slice him in half. Yeah. That's a very good example. He's like, he's like a, he's like a, compi- he's like a compiler, but like less. Take yeah. 25% off everything that Lindor is going to give you, and that's Dansby Swanson. So what's that worth? Is it fourth yeah. round? Eh, I don't know. Pro- that's, a, that's, no. that's the question. The reason I say no is because not necessarily because I have a shortstop to, you know, to take over him that's going behind him. I mean, you know, if Torres is going far enough behind him, I think you can make that case. But more because fourth round is just – I just feel like you can do better there. You know, maybe you get yeah. Nelson Cruz and, you know, like, for instance, would you take like a Yelich in the first round and Swanson in the fourth? Or would you go with like Trevor Story in the first round and Nelson Cruz or uh, even like Teoscar Hernandez or someone, you know, like the latter 100 percent. So that's what I'm thinking is, you know, you can get more overall production by just not taking uh, Swanson and even paying up for shortstop and getting just something different in the fourth round or fifth Agreed. round or wherever. Agreed. You know, I don't think I, – I, I mean, you may wow me with the name of who took him, <laughs> but I don't think he's going to settle in there. I, I think Swanson will settle in maybe fifth fifth or sixth round. What do you We think? talked about this, and we said I don't think he's going to be going that early. Um, I, yeah, I think fifth or sixth round might be more reasonable, but I, but I guess the point of this exercise was to look at these mock drafts, and he's going at 106. I think that's way too Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, it's a great call out. I, I think I think he, I think it's a happy medium. I think like when when you ask me like he's who's going too late, Swanson. He's not he's not a, not he shouldn't be going outside the top one hundred. But at the same token, in the money drafts, I don't think I would. Um, I don't think I have the balls to take him that early. Well, I'll tell you going. what. Um, I don't think I got Swanson, but he went he went at the uh, early pick in my mock. <laughs> I was mock three, and he went um, pick, pick seventy seven. So. Uh, I'm glad I didn't let that happen in mine. I mean, 77 may still be too late, but it's not 106. So great, great call out there. Um, Okay, well, so moving to my last guy who I think is definitely going too late. uh, It's the Indian pitcher that I alluded to when you were talking about Plesak, and that's Tristan McKenzie. Um, And, you know, I fully admit that Tristan McKenzie is, is still sort of an unproven commodity and not a guy that I would pay up for. But in the mocks, he's going at pick 208. <laughs> uh, I would love to know where he went in yours, but I just think, you know, Tristan McKenzie has a lot of upside, um, and I'll talk about him in a minute. But where, where is he going in your drafts? He went um, average of 166, so pretty consistently. He went 168 and 165. And that's so, right around where I think he should be going. You know, I, I'm not ready to pencil McKenzie in as, you know, even a top 30 pitcher, you know, but he certainly has that upside. And honestly, when it gets down to a pitcher that's not in my top 40 versus McKenzie, 
I'm probably going to go McKenzie because the upside is just huge. So for, he's got all the things that I said I like about Plesak. He's got a, an even better strikeout rate, certainly not as good of a walk rate. No one is as good of a walk rate, but it's, but it's good. It's very good. Um, you know, and then while he probably got a little lucky on ERA and BABIP, uh, even when you regress those, he looks great. Um, and I just feel like there's a, there's a lot of uh, things here that I do think will stick. And again, I'm just betting on that Indians pitching factory. Right. So have you looked into McKenzie or are you just. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I like, the, I, I like it for the same re- for some of the same reasons I talked about with please Zach. Um, I do agree that he is going too late in these um, early mocks. Um, however, um, he, I think there is some, I think there is a little bit of bias with um, people because when he came up, he had a lights out performance and that's the first time anyone met him. So I think that's still sticking on people's minds. Whereas like over time he like, I don't know if you remember, but in, in the fab leagues in the NFBC, like um, he was going for the most money and then Sixto Sanchez, you could get, you could have got for cheaper in most cases when Sixto ended up being the better player. So I think there's a lot of hype surrounding Kenzie um, just because he, he looks, he looks kind of awesome because how skinny he is. <laughs> and I'll uh, say that, I'll say that if uh, I think those are good points and I'll say that if, if he got pushed up into the top 150, I think I would back off because, you know, this is a guy that I want to get a discount on because yeah, there are some, some concerns. I mean, he looks like he weighs about a, a buck 20 soaking wet, you know? So like, that's not, that's not a picture of the sturdiest picture in the world. And so uh, that's a concern, you know, the, the, and, and it seems like it played out, like you were saying, with the fact that he went less and less deep into games as the season went on, and even, even a, <laughs> a season as short as this one was. So. I do think he's going late, though. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the money drafts ADP, and I'm just going up. And let me know if, if you would take these players, if you would take McKenzie over, and I'm just going through these starting pitchers. Kevin Gossman. That's close. I mean, I feel like Gossman did a lot of things really well this year and sort of proved himself. Um, so I think I might go with Gossman just because so would I I. it might be more safe. So would I, but not, but I'm, but even, but he might be a bad example uh, because I think maybe we both like him, but Marco Gonzalez. Yeah, I think I would, I think I would take a shot on McKenzie there just for the upside. I mean, Marco, is he really going to go around pick 150? I, I feel like, He's a guy that I love getting around pick 300, like I did last year. I took him in the main event. Great, great pick. Great pick. But at pick 150, there's just not a lot of room for profit. No. Um, and I think I was, I was listening to um, what podcast? I think it was Launch Angle. Rob, Rob Silver's on it. Yeah. He took, he took him in the main event that I was in with him, I think in around 25. And he's saying, like, he, he, was, he was basically saying, I think Marco Gonzalez had a great eight-start eight start stretch or whatever in, in this year, but um, he even, I think, I think he agreed that it's not a sustainable um, output you know, what he produced this year. No, I think that's smart. And then I'm, I'm looking at your spreadsheet now. Next up is Patrick Corbin, and I definitely mm. take a shot on McKenzie there. I think that's tough. Patrick, I don't know. Corbin's velocity's down. And yeah, Patrick Corbin is just not a guy I'm going to bet on a bounce back for at any price. I just, you know, I, 
Yeah, it could happen, but it, the signs point to it not happening. And I say any price. If he, if he falls to pick 300, I'll probably take Patrick Corbin, but I'm not investing in Patrick Corbin. Right. And then maybe, I, think, I think a great example of um, the value you have in um, Tristan McKenzie is when you compare him to Dustin May going to pick 144 on average. That's a, so, good, that's a good one to call out. I mean, I, I think Dustin May is going to do a lot of things well for you, but then you got to factor in the Dodgeritis. Uh, yeah. You know, who knows how many starts he gets, how, how long they let him go. And then, of course, you know, he hasn't shown the ability to strike out anybody yet. So I, I still, it's hard for me to believe that's not coming at some point, but could just be like Sixto Sanchez and not be a big strikeout guy, even though he throws colossal heat and, and even wicked, you know, moving stuff. But uh, David Price is in there too. I, I think at this point, I might go Tristan McKenzie and just sort of move price way, way, way down, sort of like I'm doing with the other guys, just because he hasn't played in over a year and we don't know what yeah. his role is going to be with the Dodgers. And it's a, it's kind of a mess. Yeah. I'm not really touching David Price. He's going around the same, um, at the, around the same time as he did last year before he opted out. So and to be honest I, with you, we could keep going up, you know, through the, the McCullers of the world and, and, you know, other people in, in the range that we were talking about earlier. And I'm still going to avoid all those guys at their price. Now I'm not going to take McKinsey there, but McKinsey and others like Gossman, I'm going to take later instead. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot my shots later. Um, Cause I don't really like those seventh, eighth, ninth round guys anymore. Yeah, no, that is true. I was, what I was going to say is price. Um, I mentioned this before is um, there's no assured like, like COVID is probably still going to be around. It will be in March. So I don't know what's going to change in his mind between not opting out next year and opting out this year. Why, why would he, why, he's got to, something's got to go off in his brain saying, okay, you're going to play this year, but you weren't last year. It's yeah. not one of those considerations. It's not going to be money because that's not going to matter to him. Um, so that's a good point. And it all goes back to avoiding uncertainty, especially if you're drafting in October. <laughs> I, avoid him, I avoid him in general because I don't trust his health, but adding this onto it and his age, um, and like you said, not like being one year removed um, with your age, like you, even like myself, no, I play baseball every year, I play softball, but I, I didn't play it all this year until like the very end. We put together something small in August because everything was shut down and I was just, stiff as hell I'm like, I'm like the same age as him so um you're not going to come it's not going to it's not going to be easy coming back from the layoff when you're that old he's not a, he doesn't have a good health injury to begin with and he just made planes opt out i don't see any reason i know we're off on a tangent on price but i don't see any justification for him going even close to the same like pick that he did last year i i lump him in uh i forgot who i i said just a minute morton. ago morton is is actually who i was going to uh, you were saying he was going right ahead. Corbin? Uh, Corbin, yeah. So I lump the three of those guys together. So Corbin, Price, and Morton, they're going to have to fall to pick 300 for me just about. I, I don't see any reason to invest any capital in them because you can get known quantities at that point. And maybe they don't have the upside. Of I, don't want any of, I don't want any of those. Those guys are all like not really on my agenda to draft, but they are so far apart um, in terms of where I value them. Like you say, you want them together. I have them. Um, who is uh, 
Corbin is first by far for me out of those three. Then you have a big gap and then you get David Price and then you got another big gap and then you got another big gap and then Morton. So I think, I think, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm looking at like one, uh, where's Corbin going? I think you're looking at around 150 to 170 where I'd be comfortable taking Corbin and then probably around 250 for Price and then probably around after 300 for Morton for me. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'm probably a little lower on Corbin than you are just because I don't want to invest when there's risk, but yeah, yeah, I think we're pretty much in line. Okay. Last guy uh, you uh, feel is going too late, at least in the mocks. All right. Um, This guy is, this is, this is a little, um, well, I had to dig a little, I went a little bit deeper. Um, That was Michael Pineda. Uh, Okay. He was going uh, around maybe pick 275. I think he was another one of those guys that, had not been picked in a lot of the drafts. 275, and then he's going in and around 300, past 300 in some of the drafts, I think. Uh, he, he's a guy that has, um, that's sort of, I think, maybe going to be forgotten a little bit because he didn't have a full season. He's been suspended, and he, he's, um, his, he reminds, his profile, if anyone can do about Dylan Bundy, I think he could do it this year. Wow. Um, he has the same profile. He got, he's got, he's got reduced velocity from when he was younger. Like the velocity, the velocity trends are the same as Bundy. Um, his swinging strike and K walk, um, jump out like, um, his, his peripheral, his peripherals, ex, um, exceed, um, his results, his actuals, like his ERA and whip, like his swinging strike rate and his K walk. Those are all indicators. So when I, when I looked at this before the end of, before the beginning of last year, a couple of guys jumped out at me. It was Bundy, um, Heaney, Pineda, um, that group of players. Um, I don't know. I'm probably missing some guys, but um, that um, really jumped out as guys that could take that step forward. I know Pineda's um, past what his prime would be, um, and Bundy isn't. But um, like I, I see a lot of potential, and he, I, I think he could be an innings eater as long as he stays healthy on a good team. So. Um, I don't think there's like, I don't think there's crazy, crazy value there, but I think he is still going too late. Hmm. That's, that's really interesting. The comparison to, to Bundy. Um, I mean, I do see what you're talking about and the, especially the plate discipline profile, you know, swinging strikes and such um, not allowing a ton of contact. It's interesting. I mean, obviously um, Pineda got lucky to have his 3.38 ERA this year. He had, he allowed zero home runs in 26 innings. That's, that's pretty uh, hard to do. And probably, you know, he actually has been known for being a high home run guy. So well, um, obviously, obviously, I haven't, I haven't done my full deep dive into anything yet. And I've, I'm like, I've already jumped into, I've jumped into two drafts, but like full disclosure, I have not done, like I haven't done well, but a, the lot, thing a lot is, of research for next year yet. I'm not here to disagree with you because, I mean, look at Bundy the last couple of years before 2020. I mean, his, his ERA was around five. So it's not like that can't be improved upon. I just, I think I'm exactly where you are and I'm just going to have to do a little bit more um, due diligence on Pineda, but there are some very encouraging things. His, his walk rate is actually lower and has historically been lower than Bundy's. His strikeouts are a little bit lower, which is weird considering he's got a very good swinging strike rate. But, um, yeah, this merits some looking into. So where uh, – I guess I won't even ask you the where would you take him question, to be honest, because you said you need to 
continue to look into them, but, but thanks for uh, putting them on my radar. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully uh, it makes any, it makes some sense there. I don't, um, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm going to be taking him. I don't know what his ADP is going to shake out in the main events, but um, I got him in one of the two so far. And um, so what, what pick did you take him at? I took him, let's see. I took him at 246. Oh wow! Yeah, and then so. somebody, and then in the next year, somebody jumped me, and they took him at two twenty three. Okay, so it's, we're talking sixteenth, seventeenth round. I think, yeah, that can certainly be a place to uh, to to take a stab on pitchers. I, you know, the interesting thing is, <clears throat> you'll see guys like this year, um, Nate Pearson and Mackenzie Gore get pushed up into that range before we yeah. even know if, if they're going to have a job. And so I think taking a shot on a guy like Pineda, who should absolutely be in the rotation all year if he's healthy, I really like where your head's at there. I don't, I don't like taking – I mean, Mackenzie Gore never even pitched in the majors this year. You know, I mean – You don't know when he's going to come up next year. He burned me more than anyone burned me this year, Mackenzie Gore. Um, and so. I actually just um, saw his name going about a round ahead of Pineda in your drafts that you're yeah. – uh, that you're doing. I'm going to see where Mackenzie Gore is going in the uh, two early mocks. He's going to pick 240 something. So, so yeah, I think somebody took him at 144 in those drafts. And, and, and you know, Mackenzie Gore's upside is to be an ace, right? He, he could, he could be a great pitcher, but we don't even know when he's going to, you know, it could be July. It could be, you know, we, we just don't know. And so, I mean, yeah, the, Padre, point, the Padres probably, like, if he's as good as what he's hyped to be, Padres should have used him in the NLDS. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably why he's not going earlier in these two early drafts and mocks is, is there's, there's some uncertainty there now. There's a little yellow flag going, why didn't this guy come up? They needed him. But, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think uh, Pineda is a good call out and somebody that I need to look into more. So, well, that's, uh, that's three for each of us on either side of the coin. So thanks so much for going through all that with me. I think, uh, you know, there'll be plenty more to come in the off season and this stuff is, is fascinating. If I, if I could name a theme of everything we've talked about so far, it's, you know, sometimes uh, the more certain thing, even if the upside isn't as high is the way to go, especially if you're drafting like us degenerates in October. That's a, that's, a, that's a good piece of advice that I probably need to follow more closely. Oh, I do too. Believe me, I drafted Mackenzie Gore and, and Nate Pearson and, and probably more than I should so have. Tempting. But, uh, so tempting. It's tempting, but especially with pitching, I, I'm, I'm coming around to the other way. You know, it, it, it's, it's a cocky – it, it may be a cockiness because it's like, oh, I can draft Mackenzie Gore at pick 200 because, like, you know what, I'm good enough to find um, a gem uh, pitcher at pick 300 and – 50 or 360 that I can slot in my starting rotation until Gore comes up. Guess what? Like, that's not always the case. Um, you're playing against great players. And, it's not uh, easy to find the, the Zach Plesak of next year or the Corbin no. Burns of next year. No, there's not, there's not 15 of them. There's not, right. there's, there's not 15 Zach Plesak. So not every team's going to get one. <laughs> not everybody gets one. That's a really no. good point. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. Um, do you want to take a couple minutes to just, tell uh, people where, where you can be found and what you're working on? I'll just say one thing. Let's say you can find uh, me at Draft Champagne and I have a podcast and uh, we're, we're talking about high, uh, high stakes or 
medium medium high stakes drafts, real drafts um, that are going to be going on and uh, trying to trying to produce a lot of good content that people are going to listen to. I love I love the podcast. I love that uh, Twitter handle, Draft Champagne. Draft Champions. Draft. It was it was taken already, so I had to think <laughs> of something uh, that was clo- that was close. Um, but yeah, I know. Well, like uh, really, like why I do it is um, it's 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 fun, and um, I'm, and I really want to I do it because I got a chance to talk to people like you and and people all, all across um, the the baseball industry, and it helps me, and we help each other um, bounce some ideas off each other. Um, that's really what it comes down to. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to become a better player and this podcast is helping me and maybe it helps other people too. Well said, man. And likewise, definitely Thank trying you. to become better myself. And, uh, yeah, and I love, I love, I love what you're doing with the podcast. So I appreciate you having me on here um, as a guest as always. And um, appreciate and I appreciate it, man. I, I, can't... Doing, I, I think you're doing great stuff. Well, that, that, I really and, appreciate wait, that. Before I go, I, 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 I'm rude for coming on this podcast and not congratulating you on winning the Battle of the Podcast. It's something that the Draft Champions podcast um, developed uh, or started last year, and, and you won. You killed it. Oh, well, I, I appreciate it, man. I mean, that was a so fun Congratulations. That was, that was awesome. I'm happy for you. You did, it a, was, you, you did great, and you, you drafted amazing. It was on brand for you as a draft champions league. So it was, yep. it was perfect. I, I really, I hope we'll do it again next year. So hopefully. Yeah. Um, and also can't wait for uh, visit number four from you on here. Oh, and one thing I wanted to, to say before going is you, uh, another thing you uh, corrected me on when I posted some, uh, my sort of top pitchers, very early top pitchers. Uh, you sold me on NOLA. I'm moving him into the top 10. Aaron Nola. So okay, good. Yeah. So there you go. You were right. I like to say. I'm not. We, we got about eight, nine, ten months to figure that out. But <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think I think you're out of something though. Yeah, you, yeah, but, you, uh, you agree. But anyway, we'll All stop. Right. Uh, we'll stop kissing up, and we'll uh, we'll end this thing. But uh, but I do. Uh, I, I do look forward to uh, when you're on again for visit number four. Uh, for you. now, uh, everybody can find me at Common Sense FBB on Twitter. And uh, as always, stay classy, Planet Baseball.